0: Welcome to Texans Unfiltered.
1: And here we go, here we go.
0: A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. Alright, guys, welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Black Panther, and I am joined as usual by my friend and co host, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. John, what's going on?
1: Hey, we finally got a co-host that may be more famous and more popular right now than than James, uh, than, as many of you know, is Young Ari Gold, because we've got the Black Panther over there. A um, little shiny, a little muffled. I don't think the, uh, the uh, what is it, Vibranium? Vibranium?
0: Yeah.
1: Yep. Um, I can't get people's names right. Don't expect me to get metal name right. I don't expect that it's very good for uh, conversations, but we'll, we'll kind of roll with it. We'll kind of make do.
0: Well, I lit up my vibranium. Now it's getting it's getting kind of hot in here. So I'm gonna actually take it off. But I thought it'd be fun. Oh god, <laughs> it definitely got hot in there. Um, super hot, man. I wouldn't got a haircut today, dude. Oh, got a, got a nice little got my beard cleaned up. That's my favorite part. It's, it has nothing to do with. Uh, with the haircut. I love getting my beard trimmed.
1: I've never gotten my beard professionally tri-
0: oh, trimmed. Oh, I do it once a month. Okay. It's amazing. It's like the, one of the best feelings ever. Uh, I may have to try it because what
1: I do is I end up just shaving my entire beard off and then just letting it regrow. I think it's all nappy and crap.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> no. So you go and they give you the blueprint of what it should look like. Like they edge it up and then for like about a good month you can, you can get it Right. And then about a month later your the blueprint's kind of falling off.
1: Huh. I'll definitely have to try that. I mean I I mean you live right down the street from me, so I'll just have to get your person.
0: Oh bro, yeah. I'll hook you up. Dalton's barbershop is the best way to go. Footballer five oh three, what up? Gabriel Galagos, what's up? Welcome to the Texans Unfiltered Stream. We appreciate it guys. Uh, thanks for joining. Thanks for everything that you guys do. Thanks for all the support. If you guys haven't, make sure you guys hit the uh, click, like, and subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Uh, if you are on a podcast, make sure you go to uh, the your pot, favorite podcast app, uh, subscribe to us, like us, comment, uh, leave a review, tell your friends. Uh, we are in super, super, like, hype, hyper growth mode right now. We're doing tons of things. Um Lots of amazing things happening. Obviously, we brought on uh, Jordan, Texans Thoughts. We brought on Dylan, Texans Draft. Um, I'm actually in an office that I'm being – I'm actually organizing now, so that's good. What up, JW Football Talk? Um, Yeah, man, lots of great things. But on top of that, I mean, probably one of the biggest news, I guess – well, I I would say bringing on Jordan and Dylan were the biggest news. And then the second –
1: And don't – and I'm going to cut you off real quick. Don't forget to follow both Jordan and – and Dylan at Texans Texans Thoughts and Texans Draft. That's an underscore in between each one. Texans underscore Thoughts. Texans underscore Draft. Again, if you are not following them on Twitter, they are absolutely amazing. There's a reason why we brought them on. They're very very smart guys. Texans thought he's he's just absolutely taking off. I think everybody knows who he is currently. He also works for Battle Red or uh, Battle Red Blog, or he used to work for Battle Red Blog. So you've probably read something of his and not even realized it. And Texan's draft, we think he's just as special. He's just getting started. Um, he did a whole bunch of write-ups right before the NFL draft, and that's when we, he kind of caught our eyes. So just go on Twitter, search them out, definitely read read their stuff. You'll definitely learn something. No,
0: yeah, super excited about Jordan and Dylan. I, you know, big. I, I just I love talking to them. I love working with them. I love developing and helping them mold their career. Uh, it's crazy where we're at, man. It's um, it's insane to just see the fruits of our labor. Um, but then on top of that, you know, big news today. Uh, we are, and make sure you guys go to web, God, great job, Cody. Uh, TexansUnfiltered.com is your place for the most most in-depth Texans content you could find. Jordan put out, Texan Slots put out an article today on why Gary and Conley is our cornerback one and not Bradley Roby. Extremely, very layered, uh, well put together article. Um, there's film included in it, um, and really you should walk away from that knowing that Gary and Conley is our cornerback one. Uh, so so funny sure
1: story about that article is he went in there not thinking that Gary and Conley was going to be our cornerback one. This was kind of started as a as a contest. Or, or we're professional now. Can I still say stuff like that? No. No. Ah. All right, so this started as a um, kind of a little bit of a bet on James's behalf when when Dylan started to go and break down. Jordan. I'm sorry, when Jordan. Sorry. <laughs> uh, when Jordan went down to break down our quarterback group, uh, James is like, watch out. Gary and Conley is our number one. A little bit of a back and forth between them after they got done. Jordan admits James was right.
0: Yeah, he. he me and Jordan have coined the term for Gary and Conley. We're calling him sticky because he is absolutely sticky when it comes to uh, covering a wide receiver or really covering anybody. Press man, the dude, is just phenomenal. Um, It's funny, yeah, me and Jordan, were having, we were just having our typical one-on-one that we have once a week, and we were talking about corners, and Gary and Conley came up, and I told him cornerback one, he didn't believe me, and uh, we talked about it for like an hour. He went and wrote a nice piece on it, very good. So make sure you guys go to TexansUnfilter.com. Make sure you guys subscribe to um, the – uh, website as well. We'll be putting out weekly uh, newsletters so that you guys know kind of what the articles were this last week, what to come. Um, I happened to catch a peek of uh, Jordan's interview with Jonathan Grenard today. It was fantastic, super good. Um, and Dylan is working on putting together a draft profile for one prospect each week starting this Thursday, leading all the way up to draft. And then we're going to put together a big Uh, draft guide specific for you guys that's specific to the Texans and their needs and certain positions and things of that nature. So just uh, tons of things going, but not to overshadow all of that, um, we are now officially the Texans Unfiltered partner, or we are Pro Football Network's Texans podcast partner. So we are now supported – I guess that will be – I don't know. I'll talk to Matt and Aaron. They'll, they'll tell me how to word it. But, um,
1: we are now under the Pro Football Network umbrella.
0: That is correct. And the website is there as well. Um, and, yeah, man, They uh, thank you to Aaron and Matthew uh, and everybody at Pro Football Network for um, just seeing the hustle that we brought, the effort that we're bringing, the content that we're bringing Texans fans. Um, it's nice to see a national network, see what we're capable of doing and what we're bringing. Um, lots of interesting pieces are, are happening as we speak, and uh, it's just really cool. So now that we're in super hyper, hyper growth mode and doing whatever we can to just continue to build, uh, things are starting to become a little bit more professional around here on Texans Unfiltered. Is. Uh, we have eyes and ears kind of everywhere watching our every move and watching what we're doing. We want to make sure that we give you guys the best content and that we don't sacrifice who we are as people, uh, podcast hosts, YouTube hosts, writers, uh, editors, whatever it would be. Um, and with that being said, I, you know, I, I can't thank Pro Football Network enough and everybody else is just kind of supporting us. Uh, make sure you guys also check out the YouTube. If you guys aren't subscribed, you guys should subscribe now. Uh, Jordan, Texan Stops. i got to stop calling. It's its weird calling him Texan Stops because I know I'm a, a first-name guy, but... Um, Jordan just put up an awesome video breakdown of Deshaun Watson's uh, kick in the eye, uh, touchdown pass. It was a great breakdown, seven minutes, uh, great thumbnail image, just a a great breakdown. His first YouTube video, um, just awesome. So lots of things, lots of pieces, lots of happenings. Patreon's about to get rebooted. Uh, We're starting to work on that on Thursday, so you guys are going to want to be on the lookout for that. Um, Preston's working hard on that and his communication skills, which is great. (laughs) Um,
1: <laughs> How to win friends and influence people.
0: There we go. I'm great sure.
1: book. Great book. Great I, book. If I, you've never read it, you I need to go read
0: it. I spent on that book, literally. Um, anyways, you got your purple. I got my drink. Um, <laughs> in my smoky Um I'm also just real quick. We're doing. Uh, I interviewed two small businesses today. We're gonna put together an episode of just small businesses in Houston. Uh, to give back to the city that supports us and helps us. We want to promote and build however we can in the city that we care about. Um, if you guys have any Houston businesses, any small businesses that could use any uh, publicity, anything on the website, anything like that, um, Steam and Willie Beeman, um, what up? Yeah, like uh, just send them our way. Just uh, we, we want to do whatever we can for the city of Houston and the people that support us. So make sure you guys pass, pass it around. If your mom has a friend or, you know, it doesn't matter, anybody that has a small business that is struggling because of COVID-19, please let us know. Um, we understand this is a difficult time. John and us, John and I have both been in the restaurant business. We've both work, worked for small businesses. We understand what's going on, and we want to be able to help out as much as possible. So make sure you guys hit us up. You can send me an email at james at com, or you can just set, uh, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram. Um, all right. With that being said, okay, we got we got the PFN stuff. Follow everybody. COVID nineteen update. Yeah, I mean, I guess our update, are like our boys can't play together. That's that's like been like actually kind of cool.
1: heartbreaking because they're so young. Oh, no. Like just randomly, my my little boy wanted to let me know that Parker's little boy is his best friend and he misses them. Just randomly, out of nowhere, unprompted, just goes, Daddy, do you know what? I'm like. No, and he's like, Parker's my best friend. I'm like, all. He's like, when can I go see Parker? Yeah. When you know people stop getting sick. So, all right, y'all, we gotta we gotta work on this.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, look, it looks like things are opening up. I don't know if it's the right decision or the, the wrong decision. Um, I think at this point, it's almost we've gotten to a point to where you kind of have to risk it. Uh, people just gotta take care of themselves, do the right thing, practice social distancing, wear a mask wash your freaking hands, sanitize, do all that stuff. But we're going to have to get back to normal, and this is kind of one of those steps to do it. Uh, luckily for us, we live in Texas. We'll probably be the first state to fully open up um, and get back to normal. But still, just make sure you guys are doing all the right things, taking care of yourselves, take care of your family. If there's anything you need from us, we'll do whatever we can to help for sure. Um, but, yeah, that's our that's our COVID-19 update. Um, really appreciate Pretty much
1: just very politely, this is one of our customer services that if you are a local business and you want a free ad right now, we'll do it for you. If you've, been infe- if you've been affected by COVID, just to tie up a bow on it, reach out to us. We'll give you a shout out. Again, everybody could use a little bit of help right now. We completely get it. This is our platform that we can actually do a little bit of good. We've done it in the past, and we're definitely going to do it going forward.
0: Yeah, and, and on top of that, what we're going to do is for the thumbnail image for articles that are coming out, we're going to include the business logo instead of an actual thumbnail image of a player. So um, we'll put you guys on the website. If you guys have a little blurb that you want included in the article, we'll include it at the end or at the beginning. Um, but either way, um, just let us know how we can help. That's, that's who we are as people. Um, I know it's a rare thing to see or hear that people want to extend a hand and help. It could be somewhat seen as uh, non, you know, not authentic or genuine, but that's, just, that's who we are at our core, and that's what we've built ourselves on, and uh, people can question it all they want. But, I, I mean, that's just what we're here to do is help people. So um, shout-out to Big Sarge. Um, man, Big Sarge is just – and Mark Lane, Mark Lane as well. Mark Lane's been working with me a lot and, and talking to me. Um, and then Sarge has me coming on a show on Friday – I'm driving to Houston early in the morning. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm driving to Houston early in the morning at 6 o'clock. i got to get there at 9. Uh, so happy to be in the H. Because it's one of my favorite places to be um, doing a, my first radio interview. So, um, yeah, just great things, great things. But but you guys don't care about all of that now, right? We're already 13 minutes in. We're 13 in the minutes podcast. in.
1: We better start talking about some let's football. Let's start
0: talking right? about some football. So, let's start off with Anthony Weaver and the defense. He speaks up. What do we think? Let's hear it out.
1: I am. I am. We have a we have a bunch of talented rushers on on the on the roster. Um, for me, the, the beauty the beauty for me is that I gotta find ways to, to put them in the best uh, best place to be successful. But we have guys that can
0: win one on one. You know, now he's got he's got to put the pieces in the right spots. But guys like Charles amen who guys like Duke Edgeford, who missed all last year, Jacob Martin, Whitney
1: Merciless, J.J. Watt. I mean, we got guys that can get to the quarterback, and it's all about you know, what we can do schematically.
0: So basically Anthony Weaver was talking about um, the pass rush and what he expects from him. Um His job is basically to be able to get all of the guys on the field at the same time to be able to produce. Uh, as we all know in the past of this te- these Texans defenses three, four years ago, um, and, you know, just four years past really, they have not been able to get Jadavia Clowney, Whitney Merciless, and J.J. Watt all going at the same time. Um, one usually suffers while the other two flourish. Uh, it, it's really going to be an interesting thing to see. I do think that we have the players and the pieces to be able to generate a pass rush. Um, I think the biggest move that needs to be made is kicking JJ inside. I don't know if we'll actually do that. What up, Giovanni? Um, but it's something that we need to start to consider. I mean, you have Jacob Martin, Charles Minihue, Duke for Whitney Merciless, you know, you have Timmy Jernigan, we have the pieces, it's just going to be up to the scheme and, and really get, taking advantage of what those players' strengths are to get the most out of
1: them. Yeah, it'll, I, mean, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. Every defensive coordinator comes in, and new defensive coordinators always come in with a plan. Usually first-year defensive coordinators come in and they're going to be hyper-aggressive. Um, what I liked about Anthony Weaver is also something that we'll see if it actually happens. He wants to bring the Rex Ryan mindset to the rack defense, um, kind of get rid of the prevent and off-man, off-coverage. Funny thing, talking about like Gary and Conley, he's actually not too bad at zone. He's really, really good at man, press man. He was horrible at off-man. Off-man, sometimes when you look at off-man, it looks like they're playing a zone. So that's why he kind of got the reputation as being bad at zone. This is something Jordan taught me, and I thought that was extremely interesting. Weaver comes in. He says he wants the cornerbacks to play more aggressive. If they play more aggressive, that will allow the pass rush to, A, help them out. Um, And that kind of – if the pass rush helps out and actually gets home on the quarterback, that will help out the secondary and not make them look so bad like they're chasing everybody around all day.
0: Yeah. There's a lot lot of moving pieces to the pass rush, and it's going to be – I didn't even include Grenard – opposite of Whitney potentially, you know, really for me what it's about is seeing somebody take that Brendan Scarlett spot opposite of Whitney Merciless and, and having an additional pass rusher on the field that can actually rush the passer. Uh, Brendan Scarlett is not a pass rusher. He's good at setting the edge, decent against the run, but not really, great on special teams, uh, but is not a guy that you want to count on for 16 games opposite of Witt. Uh, also, we got to look at the potential, what's up Eric, uh, we got to look at the you know, the potential development of Charles Amenehue. You know, he had a solid year last year. Stats won't back it, but he had definitely made an impact. Um, he has, like I think he has the longest arms on the defensive line. Uh, freak athlete. It's going to be very well, interesting to see wh- what he develops into and if he's able to kind of double up on those stacks. He had three and a half, I think, last year, so if he can get to seven this year, that would be a, a solid move.
1: Well, Grenard's actually very interesting because he adds an extra dimension to the outside linebacker group. Um, we haven't had an outside linebacker that could cover. It. So essentially, their idea of covering with the linebackers was dropping one or the other one into zone. Where with Grenard, he adds that extra dimension that he can cover, and supposedly he can pass rush. Um, that's what he did in college; is oh, he was a pass. He's a pass rusher in college, and during the Senior Bowl against higher level talent, he looked lot, much better as a coverage linebacker. So it's just an extra dimension that if he comes in and he's able to do that, that helps further, descri- or further um, disguise the defense. You know that on the outside, if you have Grenard and Merciless, it's just not too pass rusher. Whereas if you have Martin Merciless, they're bringing the house. So it's just, again, another extra layer and something to be excited about.
0: Yeah, I think one of the things about Grenard that people need to really be excited about is – Really, just kind of what you talked about in the sense that he can drop into coverage, but he can also sub Ignacio, but he can also uh, rush the passer. What's up, Pat? Um, But the biggest part about that is that since he can do both, when he's on the field, you really don't know what his responsibilities are going to be. So he could drop back into coverage, or he could rush the passer, he could set the edge, things of that nature. When you have just a one-dimensional guy like Jacob Martin on the field, you know what he's doing. Uh, So with Grenard, it's going to be very interesting to see how that goes. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, Pat's Pat's on the right track. He, they're not dropping outside linebackers into coverage. And if they do, it'll be a very rare thing, um, which is one of the issues that we've had. You know, it's funny. Rivers put out an interview or an article today about Ross Blacklock and how he dropped into coverage sometimes at TCU and sarcastically made a funny joke about how that's probably why the Texans drafted him was because he was dropped into coverage sometimes because uh, we did ask DJ Reader to do that too at times. Oh, so. big um, man in
1: coverage. Always fun.
0: It was it was just funny to read. and um, But, yeah, so I think – Look, with the addition of Blacklock, I haven't even mentioned Blacklock yet. Like, So there's players on this defense that can really make an impact on this pass rush. It's just going to be about getting the right guys on, finding the right scheme, and being able to coach them up to do what they need to do. And um, I think they will. You know, I think, like I said, I think it was what, I think during the schedule release, I don't expect this defense to come out the gates hot. I expect our offense to come out the gates hot and keep us in games and win us games. But I expect...
1: Um, Well, we have to understand to to have measured expectations about our defense. Rookie defensive coordinators traditionally do not do well in the NFL Uh, when they're first learning how to call plays in the NFL. Like I said, uh, they do come in, and they usually come in guns a-blazing. They're going to be super aggressive, and they want to, but it's learning when to be aggressive and when not. And there's going to be some growing pains with Weaver. But hopefully we'll see enough out of him um, that it's not like you know Vrabel when he came in and took over Rack's defense and tried to make Rack's defense aggressive. We saw how well that worked out. So I think Weaver, I think Weaver has a different mindset and I think he has better pieces to play with in some regards than Brabel did.
0: Yeah, no, I would agree. Uh, he, he's definitely in a better position. Um, but like I said, I think it'll be more like a week eight, week nine thing. I think we'll 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 wait on the offense to, or wait on the defense to get going. I think the offense will carry us, especially if we can make it through uh, week one through four, after that, then we'll start to gain some momentum on defense, start to see some things. One of the things I wanted to get to uh, was footballer 503 mentions uh, if we can get a legit free safety that can play single high, The secondary can be legit. Um, One of the things that I went back and started to watch, and I need to put something together, it's just about finding the time, is uh, Justin Reed played single high a lot his rookie year. And it's going to be interesting to see if Eric Murray takes over his role that he he played all of last season more in the box, tackling, coming up to the line of scrimmage, making plays, uh, blitzing, all, all sorts of different things that he was doing. Maybe they're going to drop Justin back into that single high safety role and let Eric Murray play around in, in, in the backfield. And, uh, and well, I the think
1: team. they were doing it last year to protect Justin. Well,
0: they um, he had that
1: huge that had that huge huge brace on his on his shoulder.
0: was not that do it? Do just hitting? Like, if you're just hitting, like, wouldn't that do the opposite No, I of your mean, shoulder? sit there.
1: I mean, test yourself. Go out there and try and run with limited use of one of your arms. Try to tackle. It's him. harder. It's well, it's hard to tackle. I can't believe he did it at all. That's arms. what I'm saying. But it, but it, no, no, no. I think that they were trying to protect him from not playing single high as much because it's hard to run, even though it's his shoulder. You, it's harder to to run. Whereas. Sure.
0: If he's playing negative. if he's not
1: yeah, yeah, if he's not playing single high, if he's playing down closer to the box, he's just out there tackling and he's got enough padding that it probably wasn't killing him to tackle. But running not so much it was painful, it's just that trying to move your arms and trying to just go. Like he just wasn't able to run as fast as he normally did, which would make him a liability at single high.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe that was the um I, th- I think there was a lot of different pieces. Um um, yeah, Murray, Murray pretty much has made his entire career in the box. That's that's what he's known for. You don't want him in coverage. What you do want him is tackling and playing in the box. So, um, yeah, I think that's what we're going to end up seeing. And I think that's why we haven't seen them sign a safety that can play for any single high safety is because I think they expect Justin Reed to be able to do that. Uh, and and that's fine. I liked what we, his best year out of the two he's been here was his rookie year, and it's because he was playing single high. So. Um, not a lot to worry about, in my opinion, with the safeties. I know that's kind of getting blown out of proportion, but I like what they're doing. It's like they found a tackling machine that can play in the box, can drop into a zone if necessary, and Eric Murray, but uh, then they're going to free up Justin Reed and let him go play uh, a single high. So, uh, all right, let's talk a little bit about, uh, I guess I won't play the clip since it doesn't play on um, YouTube. Um, Preston's going to have to add it, but... uh, he talks about the third down defense, which we all should know. He was, We were just absolutely atrocious last year. Uh, and I'm glad that they brought it up. I'm glad they, they talked about it. But I, the one thing that I do have somewhat of a problem with is the fact that, you know, he used buzzwords like exotic and, and different thing, doing different things to not show our hand and stuff like that. That's all great. It's all great. It's, to me, it's very similar to, like, getting all our guys on the field for a pass rush and the right guys in the right situation. It's all coach speak. Until we actually see it done on the field, I don't feel too comfortable with it. Like, until we see that he's calling different plays and he's getting exotic and he's run you know, different blitzes and things of that nature, then I'll feel ten times better because that's what this defense needs. You need to be able to take control, give the opposing offense different looks so that they can't game plan uh, and and make the necessary adjustments to be able to get quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson off the field in three downs. So, great, exotic, awesome. I want to see it. But like, how many? Like, what do you expect them to say? Oh, you know what? I think the reason why we were so bad on third down last year is because it was just bad execution. We're gonna do the same thing and just hope for different results. No.
1: Brandon, that's probably the truest statement. And that's, that's what I'm saying. That. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah, if they go but out you there and they tell execute that to the and keep it simplified, but if you say that to the press, they're going to eat you alive. This is the brand-new defensive coordinator. He says he's going to do things exactly the same as they did last year. That's not going to play very well. It's probably true. Like, honestly, it probably is. It's getting people more comfortable with what they're responsible for. It's simplifying it so they um, react pretty much on, out of instinct instead of having to think before they do anything. Um, however, like you said, you can't say it. You've got to make up almost these fancy buzzwords. And it'll be more interesting on whether or not is J.J. going to start to play inside. That's that's going to be the key. Is J.J. Watt going to come inside? Is Weaver going to be able to get J.J. to agree to come inside? He won't. Yeah, he won't. <laughs> and that's kind of what always leaves – that's what leaves our defense – Capable of a lot of splash plays, but also capable of being absolutely gashed sometimes.
0: Yeah, you know, with J.J., where he's at, I mean, I've been screaming for him to play more on the inside for the last two years or whenever he's been on the field. I I think, you know, the whole guessing game that he played and built his name off of when he was younger and more athletic, he was able to make up for those plays now he's getting to the point to where he can't do that and if he does he's causing more issues for the defense if he's just lining up inside and his goal is to just get after the quarterback and he doesn't really have to worry too much uh, if he's worried about splitting the you know the double team or anything like that that's just a little different than playing on the edge and having to have other responsibilities and i i mean i'd love to say that jj could go back to that but i don't think we've seen anything from him the last two years that makes us feel comfortable that he's going to be the 2014-15 J.J. Watt?
1: I'm going to kind of answer what Connor was trying to say. Essentially, what um, J.J. does in a um, 3-4, he plays defensive end. Defensive ends are usually there just to eat up blocks. They're not actually there to pass rush. So when we say J.J. should go inside versus outside, J.J. has a habit of lining up what's called the nine tech, which is over the tight end. He is quick enough and big enough that he eats tight ends alive. This is why he's had so many sacks over the years. And I mean, it's when you need a big play, you put JJ against the tight end and he's going to eat. When we say we need to move him inside, what we're saying is he needs to go inside and eat up a couple of blockers. Usually at least a guard and a tackle, which would free up other players to make plays. So when he goes into that nine tech, which is usually where an outside linebacker is, he leaves a wide running lane for either a mobile quarterback or a running back or even a dump-off play to happen if he misses, if he gets too far behind the quarterback. He just leaves a huge, huge lane. And what the Texans would do traditionally, and this is when I talked about a little bit in my article about the draft, is you would put an outside linebacker there that would essentially have the responsibilities of a defensive end. They weren't there all of a sudden to to pressure the quarterback. They were there or to contain the run. They were there to eat those blockers to keep the quarterback in the pocket. And it's essentially it's a flip. But sometimes especially linebackers cuz they're already starting even an outside linebacker is starting further back than a defensive end. Even if that linebacker shifts over and takes over that responsibility or you know, goes after the quarterback himself, it still leaves that gap there or it makes it slower. So essentially, what you're doing is you're asking JJ to give up stats for the betterment of the team. He absolutely commanded his press conference. I was blown away by just him speaking. Like, I'd rather listen to him talk to Bill O'Brien, to tell you the truth. And this is nothing against Bill O'Brien because when Bill O'Brien actually talks and he's happy and he wants to talk about football, he can give a great pre- press conference. He just usually doesn't want to. Patriots School of Thought. But Weaver was following all the Bill O'Brien rules, all the Patriots rules. He didn't really say anything substantial. It was a lot of fluff, but he commanded a room. And I promise you, he pretty much would say the exact same that Bill would say, but most people would agree that Weaver just comes across better. All right, so there was a, a little bit of a Twitter. It's that damn smile. Um, there was a little bit of a Twitter, I guess, argument. I don't know. I don't know what to call it on Twitter because I can't tell if people are being civil, if they're just not knowing how to, to – you can't read emotions over Twitter, so I don't really know how, how much these things are escalating. But essentially, Texans Draft um, responded to a tweet on how many average players did the Texans have. And then this turned into a whole thing. My phone was lighting up for the rest of the night over this one comment. Texans draft, of course, responds back that he believes we have about 15. Granted, we're, you know, we're a little little homerish. That's okay. We're a little biased. We watch these guys, so we we see what they can be, not necessarily what they are. I would say this is the biggest difference between a local coverage and a national coverage. You spend all day looking at these guys. You look at their potential. You know what they're capable of. Whereas national guys, they do not have the time to get into the fringes of the roster, especially for for the Texans because, I mean, we don't have a lot of fans. However, what kind of got to me was the responses back to Texans' thoughts. Yeah, maybe 15's a little high. Maybe. I I don't necessarily disagree with him, but maybe. But when you ask a, a loaded question like how many average players do you have, And then somebody gives out their opinion that covers the team and, you know, actually knows the team, actually have something substantial to say back to them. Just saying what an average player is. First off, if you get a second contract in the NFL, by definition, you are an above average player. The average player in the NFL lasts 2.5 seasons. So to get to a second contract, you're above average. That's it. So any player that we expect to sign a second conver- uh, second contract is above average. Now, did he mean starters? Again, it's, it's unclear because if you say starters, how many teams start two tight ends versus how many teams start one tight end? So are we talking about 32 tight ends or are we talking about 64 tight ends? And you can go up and down the entire roster. That's how NFL rosters are made. And then it's football. The NFL especially is the ultimate team sport. So – it was above average. He was asking who's above average. I'm, if I didn't make that that's up clear, that's what he – the question was just quite simply. How many above average players does your team have? And there's just so many ways to spin it. If you've got a player that does something exceptionally well but is horrible at everything else, are they above average? If they are a role player, if they are just your, your spot pass rusher, like Jacob Martin – Jacob Martin is above average when it comes to rushing the passer. He was second to only Ngakwe on how often he got home on pass rushes. Like he has an insane percentage when it comes to rushing the passer. But if you look at him when you include the running game, um, not so much. He's a little light. He gets pushed all over. That's why he didn't get as many snaps. Now, is Jacob Martin an above average or below average player? He's above average at one thing, but he's below average at something else. Zach Cunningham last year led the AFC in tackles. He was second in the entire NFL in solo tackles. He was fourth if you take in team tackles or whatever. Um, he was, we dismiss we PFF sometimes. However, he was the number one run-stopping linebacker according to PFF. Regardless, with Pro Fantasy Focus, what we actually think about most of their stuff, we will say that usually when somebody's the top out of any one of their stats, they're usually at least above average. Now, he kept comparing to Zach Cunningham to um, Blake Martinez. Essentially, what they were saying is he was trying to say was Zach, Mar- or Zach Cunningham. I am all over right now with names. <laughs> this, is, this is the bad. <laughs> all right. Um, Cunningham was comparable to Blake Martinez because they just funnel the, uh, the tackles to him. And that is not even fair. And first off, that's not how our defense really works. Blake Martinez, even he, he's not average either. Now, there is a huge, huge argument amongst whatever team he's on. Is he good or is he bad? Well, you know, he does the job that he is asked to do, and he does it at an above average rate. He is asked to tackle people. Zach Cunningham is asked to tackle people. I granted, I get it that it's easy to dismiss stats. It, it really is in football. Stats don't tell you everything, especially on defense. But if your job is to tackle people and you tackle a lot of people, how are you average you're or not, below average?
0: You're not. You're not. Here's here's where here's where I here's where I the exact thing got me. But this was and John Ledyard and Arif whatever his name is he covers the Viking. He's an idiot. Uh, John Ledyard is an idiot. I unfollowed both of them. Uh, The fact that they get paid to talk football is just hilarious to me. Um, But one of of the guys that uh, Dylan mentions is Gary Conley. Now, automatically I'm triggered when somebody says that he is not above average. I'll give them that. I am triggered when somebody badmouths Gary Conley. But, the, what, the reasoning behind why Gary Conley is not above average was what got me. So the first response was, wasn't he the guy that was traded? Okay, so that means that a guy is an average or below average player because he was traded. You have to think of scheme fit. You have to think of you know the personnel, the usage. He wasn't aver- He was above average his rookie year before he got hurt when he was playing press man predominantly. Mid-season, comes over the Texans, plays press man, had the most PBUs out of any cornerback from week eight on. Okay? I think he actually had 13 PBUs last season, 11 with the Texans, which is the most that Jonathan Joseph have, has ever had in his career, just to put that in perspective. So that bothered me. But then uh, somebody else, probably a reefer or whatever his name is, then he mentions, oh, that's why they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. As if there's not other moving pieces that need to be need to be made before they can lock up and guarantee eleven almost eleven million dollars to another cornerback that they just paid ten point seven two with Bradley Roby. They still need to sign Deshaun Watson. They're gonna have to figure out a space for Zach Cunningham and what they're gonna do with B Mac. Uh, you know, there's 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 players. Justin Reed's gonna be up for a contract soon. They have tons of moves to make. Um, and yeah, I don't listen to trolls, so it's all good. Um, and especially people that don't watch football. Um, the, uh, the, uh, but yeah, so Gary and Conley not getting his fifth year option picked up has nothing to do with how good Gary and Conley is. Nothing. It has nothing to do with it. They've only seen him play for them for eight games.
1: Yeah, I can imagine it'll be something similar to the Merciless situation where they didn't pick up his option, but then they re-signed him to an extension at a lower rate. They're going yeah, um,
0: to have to sign him I, this season because he's going to blow. Yeah.
1: And we've, we've said before that we were actually very disappointed that they didn't pick up his, his fifth. We get it. We kind of understand why. However, if he goes out there and has a similar season that he did as this past last eight games, so if he turns that into a full season – yeah, we're gonna pay have to pay him more than 11 million a year.
0: Oh, if he has, if he replicates what he did with for eight games for 16, he's making Darius Slay money, just no question. Shutdown corners are very hard to find, especially very sticky ones like Gary Conley. Dude is physical, long, fast. His, the the biggest thing about Gary Conley is his ability to recover when he's beaten is just insane. So, um, I, I mean, no more love for Gary Conley, but um, I just. It's going to be interesting to see how that works. Here's what well, I think happens, here, and we're playing long-term games, so I'm just going to spit it out. So that way, when it happens, you guys can come back and be like, "Oh, that's right. Two years ago, you guys said this." Um,
1: we're going here's to, the thing we're that I would tell everybody watching out.
0: Let me let me spew it. I got to spew okay. it. Yeah, yeah. Gary Conley is going to get signed to an extension, either mid-season or, or after the season, and it's going to be anywhere from 13 to 16 million. And then we're going to play with him and Roby next year, and then in 2022 in the off-season, we're going to cut Bradley Roby when he has zero dead money left, and we're going to roll with Conley. And hopefully at that time Lonnie and John Reed and all of them are up to speed. But that's what's going to end up happening for all you Bradley Roby fans, who I actually was and still am, but I like Gary and
1: better. You love love Roby. Um, One of the things that Gary and Conley is really good at, if you you watch him, he's good at recovery. Um, Sit there and actually watch him and man. So it's almost a gift where a cornerback learns how to read what the receiver is about to do. But Conley has that gift that he can read the receiver and he can tell when he's about to catch the ball. That's something that they try and teach cornerbacks, and it's really hard to teach them. Conley already knows that. He already has the physical skills. He struggles sometimes in off-man. Off-man is really, really hard to play. From what I've been told, I've never played off-man. Um, so, But from what I've been told, off-man is harder to play than zone because you're essentially – you're supposed to be giving him a cushion. But – Because there is so much cushion, it's easier for them to kind of twist around you, um, where some guys just like to be right there, right on top of the receiver, and play press because you can just follow the guy, especially when you have the physical skills that Gary and Conley has.
0: Yep. No, I agree. I love Gary and Conley. I think he's the best cornerback on this team, hands down. Um, All right, so let's get back to the average stuff. So when you you think about the players on this team, let's go through everybody he listed. So Deshaun Watson, obviously above average. Duke Johnson, I think above average. David Johnson, above average, has to show it again. Will Fuller, without question, above average. It's not skills with Will Fuller; it's health. Cooks above average. Randall Cobb, above average. I mean, he, he averages he I think he averages for his career like 850 yards a season. Uh, that's that's above average. So um, Lerman Tunsil, obviously Akins. I can understand them, and this hurts me to say. I can understand them saying Akins isn't above average based on stats. If you never watched him play and you just looked at the stats, you would probably agree. But I do believe Akins is above average. Phil's I mean, he. I think he was number four in tight end, in tight end TD receptions last year.
1: He was number one in um, adjusted QBR when thrown to.
0: And then I think he was last year in TDs or something like
1: that. Yeah, his fourth in touchdowns. So if you threw it to Phelps, he was going to catch it.
0: And then on defense, J.J. Watt is obviously, even this J.J. Watt is above average. Darren Conley, hands down above average. Bradley Roby, above average. Justin Reed, above average. Zach Cunningham, above average. McKinney, above average. The only person that you could possibly argue about not being above average is Jordan Akins, and if you watch the film, you'll be like above average. So,
1: I would say Aikens and possibly David Johnson. Granted, mm. I know, I know. David Johnson, healthy, way above average.
0: Right. So that's what I'm saying. So health-wise, right. if we're playing, if that's the case, then we have to say Fuller isn't average. Right. Exactly. But outside, so, of, but based so on skill set, those, those
1: were the only arguments that I would have actually accepted for. Akins maybe because he hasn't shown it yet, he might as well be a rookie. I mean, he he has shown flashes, but he has not shown enough to get Deshaun's trust. I mean, when Akins had the ball, he, the same was Duke Johnson, when they have the ball, good things happen. However, they weren't integrated in the offense enough. Understandable, because they were looking at count, counting stats, and I think they said Akins had, what, 400 rec- receiving yards last year? Yeah. Which, not a lot. I mean, all, it, it really is no, not. It's not. So their argument for somebody that all they do is they pull up overall stats. However, this is the difference. When you actually ask the guys that look at the team and follow the team, you'll know Akins is above average. You know Akins is capable of more.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Real quick, shout out to my Thanos uh, coaster. It's my Funko Pop Thanos coaster. Thank you Funko for sending that to me. They actually didn't. I'm just kidding. I bought it, but still be cool if they did, right? All right. Um all right, let's get on to the topic number two. So Bill Barnwell uh, really set the Twitter streets on fire today with his, you know, the what is it? I forgot the name of the article, but it was basically like who had the, the great, best who had the best really off healthy. season in, in, in the NFL so far today. And of course, number thirty-two, the worst. Your Houston Texans. What up, H train? Um, yeah, this was. Um, I get it. Look, from a million miles away. Sure, sure. DeAndre Hopkins was traded. You don't. You didn't get the value that you should have been. Um, is what it is. But if you only look at that move and you look at nothing else. I don't really know what to tell you, but that one trade is not going to make you have the worst offseason. Um, and then if you're not even taking into account, like, the draft, considering where we entered the draft without a first-round pick, who we came out of the draft with, um, I think – I don't think that we could have the worst off season. But, you know, whatever. I mean, this is –
1: it's, it's, again, clear, it, it's – It's very clickbaity, but it's also something that part of the problem that Houston has is we don't have any defenders in the national media. Now, this isn't to say that the national media is purposely um, taking a deuce on us. It's that the national media doesn't care about us. So when you look at the headlines, it's very easy to say that they're doing bad things. Um, And, you know, for Aggies, I don't... I actually don't agree with that. The more I think about what Bill O'Brien did during the draft is trading back and trading out of this year's draft. It makes sense this year. They don't have rookie minicamp. They don't have minicamp. They don't get to interact with the players at all right now, when, and he doesn't trust rookies to begin with. So he took guys, that are All every single guy that we took in this year's draft has a very, very high floor. Like We all expect them to be in the NFL uh, three years from now. You can't say that about every draft. You can't say that about every team's picks. Yes, there may have been better athletes out there. There might have been guys for that had way higher ceilings, but Bill O'Brien played it relatively safe with the circumstances that he has. He does not trust rookies, and it's understandable so, and he's kind of up the age limit on the Texans. When Bill O'Brien first took over the Texans, we were, three years in a row, we were the youngest or the second youngest team in the, in the league. So... You could see what all that youth and all that roster turnover that led to us being, you know, mediocre. But now we've started to age up and we're actually approaching the Patriots in age. And that was one of the things that we always kind of talked about with the Patriots and part of the reason why they've had enduring success, that and Tom Brady, and, you know, the best coach ever. But part of the Patriots um, team building was always to have mid-level players, players with experience that had played in the league. And Bill O'Brien is, or Better or worse, he is copying that.
0: My my freaking kid is being super loud right now. This is another problem with not having school the next day. Like, anyway. I just
1: bounced off the walls all night long. Oh, my
0: God. Um, he's in there just playing Fortnite, going crazy. Anyways, um, Bill Barnwell has always crapped on us. Um, he's going to always crap on us. It really doesn't matter what we do. I, I disagree with the game too much for Hyde. Like, is that really the... Is that really the one trade you're, you're hung up on? We gave up. I mean, we were going to cut Rankins, and we got Hyde for Rankins, and he produced for us over a thousand yards for the first time in his career. So I don't know if I don't know if that's it, but um, yeah, man, I mean, it's just
1: look. this weird mindset that all of a sudden both the Colts and the Titans are going to jump us.
0: Oh, I think the Colts have a chance, but that's just me. Nobody else seems to agree. Uh, I, I, I don't like what the Colts did. I know nobody else does, but I'm telling you, don't be surprised if Phillip Rivers is really good this year.
1: Yeah, I just don't see both of those teams all of a sudden. It's one of those things that, you know, the Titans, they have a hard time doing things back-to-back years. They've always had. And last year, their entire offense was like, let's give the ball to Derrick Henry and just have him run through a brick wall and see what happens. You – don't really have a lot of success in today's NFL doing that two years in a row. And Tannehill, there's no way Tannehill is going to repeat what he did last year. I mean, he was the number two most efficient quarterback in all of football. This was Ryan Tannehill. He's a wide receiver. How on earth is he going to do that again? No,
0: it's the, best, so, it's the best offseason move that happened for the Texans
1: was that they gave him a long-term deal. So but the Colts the time, are good. Yeah. The, Colts, the Colts, yeah. The Colts, the Colts they should good. scare us. I yeah, mean, yeah, they're going to be really good. As long as they have Frank Wright. <laughs> Frank Reich as their coach. Yeah, they're going to scare us. I'll um, take
0: that bet. It's going to come down to the Colts and us.
1: Yeah, and South. Tennessee, again, A.J. Brown, he is a beast. He'll probably be the best receiver in the entire AFC South. I get that. I like A.J. Brown a lot, but Henry isn't going to be able to repeat what he did last year, and I will put money on Hill not repeating what he did last year.
0: I would agree. I think, uh, But I do think the Colts are going to be very good. I, re- I really do. I, I know everybody wants to talk crap. They want to jump on the Colts. I know we hate them. I know it's cut the faults but still, like, it's this team is going to be very good as long as Frank Reich is the coach. I know you guys hate hearing that. You guys don't think he's that great of a coach. Fine, fine, fine. But uh, Phil Rivers is going to have a very solid year. Um, they have weapons. They invested in running backs to pair with Marlon Mack. Their offensive line is the best offensive line that Philip Rivers probably has ever played with in his career. Uh, they have Darius Leonard, uh, Solomon. Uh, who was the guy that they traded for from the Niners? Was it Solomon Thomas or was it DeForest Buckner? Buckner. It was Buckner. Sure. They, they 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 got DeForest Buckner. Um, they just they have pieces. They have, they have really good pieces. Only um, Cooker's playing on a contract here. They didn't pick up the fifth-year option. Um so, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, all right, let's get to the uh, third and final one. This, this is a good one. I like this one.
1: This should be fun.
0: I like this one a lot. All right. So. It's
1: obviously, we are both Deshaun Watson fans.
0: Obviously. Um, obviously. And even if I wasn't a Deshaun Watson fan, this is a very easy conversation to have. But
1: You would think it's an easy conversation to have, but. It is. I mean, it might surprise you a little bit.
0: Smart people, at least. Uh, <laughs> all right. So who's a better quarterback? Deshaun Watson or Dak Prescott? Put him in the comments. It is Deshaun Watson. And if you put anything else in the comments, please unsubscribe.
1: You're definitely following the wrong teams, uh, pod. Yeah. However, here's the argument. This goes back to what we were kind of talking about what we were, we were talking about earlier. In football, stats are not everything if you actually pull up the stats other than winning percentage Dak Prescott has better stats than Deshaun Watson in just about every single one that you can think of Um, adjusted yards per pass attempt, Deshaun's a little bit higher Um, yards gained per pass completion Deshaun's a little bit higher Um, and rushing yards is a little bit higher that Dak has more rushing touchdowns. So it's one of those things that who's who's better?
0: This is a great point right here. I want to see those stats. I want to see just fourth quarter stats.
1: Offensive line, yeah. Offensive line, I would argue that definitely um, – the talent around Dak, other than, you know, who we don't talk about anymore, was probably higher up until this season. I now, I, I now say that the Texans actually have more talent around him, around Deshaun, than Dak does. But previous to this, Dak definitely had, a, had better talent around him. And then see, I had it pulled up. Game-winning drives, Dak Prescott has 14, Deshaun has 14.
0: How many game-winning drives in the playoffs does Dak have? Zero. Okay.
1: He also has an extra season on Deshaun. And actually probably an extra season and a half because, you know, Deshaun missed half a season. He's only so, played like
0: two, two years pretty much.
1: Yeah, Deshaun's played two and a half years. Dak just finished his fourth. And essentially my comment on this, and probably should have gotten to it a lot quicker, was, again, this is blowing up all over. Well, maybe more on Instagram than Twitter, but I saw it. Quite a few times over the weekend, the Dak Prescott is supposed to be a better quarterback than Deshaun. If you just look at stats, well, yeah. If you just look at stats, I mean, he's got more games played.
0: So is, oh, that, is that is that stat is that all his like that's careers versus careers?
1: Yeah, that's career versus career.
0: That's so dumb.
1: I know, right? But believe it or not, it, it gained traction. I put it up on Instagram, and this is one of those things that I think you have to be a die or die hard cowboy. Fan to really, I mean, and honestly, half the country is cowboy fans. It's one of those weirdest things. Uh, Prescott, three hundred and thirty-three total TDs. Watson, three hundred. I'm sorry, not three hundred. Thirty-three total TDs for Prescott. Thirty-three total for Watson. Five thousand one hundred seventy-nine total yards for Prescott. Four thousand two hundred sixty-five yards for Watson. Thirteen turnovers for Prescott. Fifteen turnovers for Watson. Uh, Ninety-nine point seven passer rating. Ninety-eight passer rating. Watson, 16 games, 15 games played. This was last year. So one game more, total yards, eh. uh, less turnovers. Eh. <laughs> I mean, again, it's just, it's last year. But Watson carried the team more so than I would say Dak ever did. And Exactly, and Aggies actually has a point. Prescott has, Elliot.
0: Yeah, uh, that helps, and he also has pretty much had a top-five offensive line his entire career. Um, I just don't see it. I'd love to see how many drop balls the wide receivers have for the Cowboys compared to the Houston Texans.
1: Actually, the Cowboys led the league in drops. I don't have the exact number, but Randall Cobb said it was something about the way that Dak so threw the ball. ball.
0: Yeah, very interesting, yeah. Amari also had a career year in drops the year prior, so, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, also, Dak's not as exciting, um, but, I mean, he's a solid quarterback. I don't want to, like, downplay Dak. I think he's a, so he's a starter, is, He's a starter and he's good. Uh, I wouldn't pay him $35 million, so.
1: Dak is, I, my honest opinion about Dak is he's both overrated and underrated all at the same time. He's overrated because he plays for the Cowboys. If you're for the, if you play for the Cowboys, you're you're overrated. Um, underrated because a lot of people in Cowboys Nation think that uh, Andy Dalton could just slide right in and do exactly what Dak does. For football reference, Dak is the second worst than dropped passes, not first. I, I admit I was wrong. Oh no,
0: that's not why I'm putting in there. Was pretty, I was close. I'm just putting it there mean, for the stream to two. see.
1: Um, however, this is one of those things that I think Dak is better then some give him credit for. I do not think that you just drop Andy Dalton in there and he replicates Dak. I I don't think that's going to happen. However, I think that if you had taken last year's Cowboys offense and put Deshaun in there, the Cowboys do a lot better than they did with Dak. And ultimately that's how you know who's the better quarterback. Um, Deshaun has never had the running back threat that Zeke was. Even last year we got career, even though last year Carlos had really did have a great year for us. But he's not a Elliott. And then the uh, Cowboys have done a very good job of giving um, Dak more than one pass catcher. Whereas the Cowboy, or the uh, Texans were very, very reliant on Hopkins, especially when Fuller got hurt. So I'd just say that Dak had much, much better support. Yeah,
0: no, I, I, I agree. Deshaun I, is a better quarterback. is really... Film tells you it, highlights tell you it, stats tell you it. Like, it's really, nobody actually thinks Dak is better than Deshaun Watson that actually knows football, but, you know, whatever. It happens. It happens. All right, let's get into um, positive vibes only. Something positive from the past week in Texans fandom. We got to hear from Anthony Weaver. Yeah. So that's positive. Uh, that's positive. And then uh, player doing something for charity. Uh, I mean, they're all doing it. Who, somebody was on the uh, – Randall Cobb went on the um, Alex Bregman Twitch stream and donated $10,000. Uh, fan moment that you noticed on social media. Oh, this one's cool, uh, even though it's, J, it's J.J. Watt. Some kid in Europe built NRG Stadium with the roof open with Legos. And I thought that was super cool. And JJ retweeted it and paid for, or it told him that if you know everything's back to normal this se- or this season, he's going to pay for him and his dad to fly down to Houston and catch a game at NRG. I thought that was pretty cool. Plus, the the Lego Stadium looked really cool.
1: Yeah, I mean JJ is pretty much a walking positive. Now, definitely off the field. Regardless of anything we think about on the field. JJ he may be a little bit of a glory hound and that's okay because he does a lot of good with it. Um, good
0: I didn't know this one.
1: That's the one I was about to say. Kaime Fairbairn donates six hundred mils uh, to the healthcare workers in Hawaii, his home state. He wanted to reach back out to to some state. Um, so big big shot to Kahimi.
0: That's awesome. That's that's a good one, Cody. Uh, All right, Patreon shout-outs. Cody Alder, J.B. Buffbell, Nacho Debro, Chad Widmer, thank you so much for the Patreon support. We are working on a ton of different uh, Patreon material, uh, lots of different things from me teaching John how to play Madden, uh, uh, the after-show talk uh, where we talk pop culture and other randomness, bonus shows on our GMing, the virtual league, uh, plus I'm going to try to convince Jordan into – Talking about or like doing some of the like when he does interviews, uh, some of the before stuff and after stuff, uh, get some cuts of that. Um, there's some stuff from the David Johnson interview that I can put out too. So, um, on top of that, we'll do we can do bonus podcasts of so all sorts of things. Uh, lots of different things are, are in the works right now. Um, I will tell you this that it looks like I just scored an interview with John Reed. So, that would put that would mean three out of the five have we'll be doing film analysis and film review with the Texans unfiltered. Um, <laughs> the burp is not on the table, and I told him I had to talk to you first. God, you're like a silent assassin. You just, like, snuck in there. So John Reed, so Jordan did Jonathan Grenard today and did Isaiah Coulter a couple weeks ago. Now we're going to do John Reed, and then we're If gonna you have not
1: read the Isaiah Coulter article, please do so. It's one of the best...
0: And then we're going to make Jordan do a Charlie Heck uh, film analysis, so that way he can uh, be upset the whole time because he hates Charlie Heck. So, um, yeah, so that means that all we have left is Charlie Heck and Ross Blacklock to do an entire film review with, uh, with all of the Texans draft Class. It's pretty freaking cool. Big things, big things. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. All right. Um, We want to thank you guys for our continued support. We really appreciate everything that you guys do for us. Um, As you see, we're trying to make a push uh, to a full-time thing, uh, at least for me, to start off, and then we will take care of the rest of the team and get them going too. Um, Have a lot of good things coming. Um, So your support is very appreciated. Shout-out to uh, Black Swan and Ryan Reyna for your support on Anchor. Thank you guys for your monthly donations. And I think that is it. Now, where to find us? You can find us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod. You can follow me on Twitter at Gold, And don't forget to follow Texans underscore Thoughts, Jordan, and Texans underscore Draft, Dylan, on Twitter as well. Um, Make sure that you guys like and subscribe, everything on there, make sure you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. And with that being said, I am Young Ari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We'll catch you guys next week. Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered? We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod. And everywhere podcasts can be found... And join our community on www.texansunfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for
1: listening. Until next time.